do our best to get this all in one particular message uh, because it is a lot to cover. So we'll just have to see uh, what we can do. We'll do our best. <clears throat> okay. Uh, we start off with um, a question. We're trying to get caught up with these questions that people have written and asked about. And one was in reference to the scripture that talks about praying without ceasing. So uh, on this um, uh, praying without ceasing, um, we're going to give you an answer from the um, uh, few of the scriptures here. But let's just start with Revelations 4, verse 8. And it says uh, this, And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day nor night, saying, Holy, Holy, Holy. Um, the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Now, first we should find it of significance with this last scripture that I wrote you, that there are three holies, and then there is that which was and that which is and that which is to come. So there is a, a parallel there. There's also in the three levels uh, that it mentions, the 30, 60, 100-fold, uh, there are the 30-fold, um, the 60-fold, the 100-fold that all tie into this overall super um, oracle of Revelation. Now, when we talk about these seraphims, that they rest not day and night, saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come, a person would say, well, how could they do that? How, how, could, how could they do that? Um, it doesn't seem like it would be possible uh, for them to just have all of that going day and night, day and night, unless it was divided up. There was a, different groups that were taking turns, uh, taking turns uh, doing it. Uh, but if the whole group in harmony and in accord were doing it, then the question would be, how? Now, it actually makes it more understandable when the Bible says to us humans, us mortals, pray without ceasing. Now, there would be different ways of looking at that. Uh, some people have proposed, well, what that just means is that you have a destined, you know, a designated time. And let's say that you start in the morning and you pray at 8 o'clock. <clears throat> then you pray later, um, you know, in the afternoon, maybe 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock. And then before you go to bed, five, uh, 9 or 10. And that you do that every day. Uh, and then that's like praying without ceasing in that sense of doing it by intervals. Um, but when you read this scripture here in the 4th chapter, 8th verse, of Revelation, it gives it a different kind of, uh, of of interpretation, really, because it says that they do not rest. They don't have any break in between. 
They don't rest in the day. They don't rest in the night. It's a continuum without ceasing. So that makes it extremely very interesting. And attached to that is this deep, profound whole revelation of the book of Revelations, which is the was and the is and the is to come. Now, one of the best ways of really understanding this is understanding more about the Holy Spirit. Because if a person doesn't understand the revelation of the Holy Spirit, then it's really awkward and very difficult to understand to pray without ceasing. Now, in the 14th chapter um, of the book of, of first, first Corinthians, it says, second verse, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God, for no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. <clears throat> in, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Well, let's take this just a little further. Let's look at um, uh, verse uh, 13. <clears throat> We're still in the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians. And it says, Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Else, when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at the giving of thanks, seeing he, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest? This is very profound. But the point that I want to get to is that there is a place in God, and I've, I've taught this before and preached it before, but it's worth saying many times. And this place in God uh, is along the line that um, uh, you can speak to God in such a way that you are giving God the unction and God is, is giving you the unction to be praying necessary prayers by the Holy Spirit. And even to the extent that in the spirit, as it says in the second verse of the 14th chapter of First Corinthians, you are speaking mysteries. Now, this also ties into a teaching of the Holy Manifest that speaks about rendering, rendering things unto God. And in a certain sense, there will be aspects of this teaching tonight that will touch on this rendering thing because it is so very, very important for people to understand to render unto God. If you don't render, your chances of getting out of your black hole is not super great. You have to render to be able for the offerings of God to take effect. Now, Second Peter one nineteen talks about an event, 
an event of the day star rising into your heart, into your life. So that event entails a lot of things because it truly is connected into that which was, that which is, and that which is to be. And there are are just some very, very important things that uh, people have not come into into the into the under understanding of that they really need to come into the understanding of and without coming into the <clears throat> understanding of those things they're sort of lost and as they're lost then they're confused and uh it's uh it's a sad thing Ephesians 4:30 it it speaks about being sealed until the day of redemption <clears throat> Now, this thing about being sealed is really an incredible, important, be beautiful revelation. How do you get sealed? Well, it's, uh, it's going to be the Holy Spirit that seals it. And uh, if, um, if, if you are not uh, sealed uh, by the Holy Spirit, then you obviously have not rendered. Uh, you, you have not r rendered uh, unto God uh, the many, many things that you should be rendering unto God. I have run on to so many people. I have been talking to so many people. It just absolutely is sad and it's, it's, it's pathetic how many people are bound in, in um, uh, feeling discouraged. Uh, they feel like uh, God isn't answering their prayers. They feel like uh, uh, they are drifting they're they're lost uh, they even begin to have questions of doubt about god and and these are a lot of new people uh you know that have start coming uh, into contact with our ministry and uh they're very desperate and there's a a, a really good sized number of them and uh and, and they just they just don't know what to do about their circumstances they can't seem to get deliverance and they don't understand to what extent their deliverance uh, is is by God uh, promised or not promised, or is uh, an expectation or not an expectation. And uh, so I'm hoping that in this uh, rendering, a uh, little bit of answering this question about praying without ceasing, that we can understand that it is not a possible thing to do by ourselves, through ourselves as a human, unless we are able to render it unto God and have the Holy Spirit uh, take over and, and the Holy Spirit within us, which is within the kingdom of God that is within us, uh, begin to, to uh, do those uh, utterances and prayers for us. And, and, and that would be at a perpetual continuum basis. And if people can understand when Jesus said, you know, um, uh, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. Bring your burdens to me. Bring your yoke to me, and I will take it on. How that that is rendering unto God. You need to render your job unto God. You need to render, uh, you know, every single solitary thing that you're doing, even the negatives, even the mistakes, render them unto God and and allow the the, the promise of of uh Jesus Christ to to lead you and guide you uh, uh beyond yourself beyond the mortal 
and and it is absolutely Bible, and it's absolutely a promise to you because it's only through Jesus Christ that you're going to overcome the mortal. You won't be able to overcome the mortal uh, on your own because you're too too genetic of a beast. So this is so very very important uh, to get on that on that rendering business and understanding about that Holy Ghost experience business uh, of being able to allow the spirit within us to pray. Sure, there will be times that some of these mysteries, as we begin to get profound seer vision and interpretation vision, we'll be able to understand them. doesn't mean we'll understand all of them, but it means we'll understand enough that, that we will not just be a stranger out in the dark. So that is the, um, the question uh, uh, that was asked, and, and um, if I was to uh, uh, to add a little bitty bit to it, uh, I would I would talk about uh, you know how in Second Corinthians four sixteen, it talks about the inward man needs to be renewed from day to day. This is not just something you do once and you forget. It, it's it's a renewal. So so it is a a beautiful thing to every day. Give praise and thanks to God. And to every day, renew, renew your commitment and renew your rendering. And, and I'll tell you, uh, that will give strength to your inner man as you from day to day do those things. And this is the kind of message that the people didn't seem to really, really need today. Uh, they, they, they really need to get into that. Um, let's just look at um, a couple things uh, to sum this up and finish it, I look at um, Acts 2.1, since we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and the good old book of Acts 2.1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, sooner or later, everybody needs to have their day of Pentecost, their day of reckoning, their day of rendering, their day of one accord, their day of finally getting themselves into one place. And then you wait. You wait for the and, the conjunction, when suddenly there comes a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it fills all the house where you are sitting. And then it talks about there appears cloven tongues like as fire. And it sets upon the each of them. And remember that word fire as we talk about this in later message if we get to that point. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit, as the Spirit gave them utterance. So it makes it very clear here, even in these first scriptures speaking of this event, that when the Holy Ghost comes in, there are certain things that the Holy Ghost allows you to speak of the experience as an utterance. And there are obviously certain things that you're not given leeway to immediately. That you may never get that leeway uh, in your um, mortal state, uh, but have to receive it in a higher elevated state. Uh, beyond where you were at the time you received the baptism. So those are beautiful, powerful experiences. Now, 
let's let's look at uh, Hebrews four, because it's just a real fast, interesting thing that I want to get on there before I get into the message. In the in the book of Hebrews, and uh, it's Paul writing and and he's talking about you know a day, and since that that word day is part of our message, uh, it just seemed like uh, a good a good thing to uh, to talk about. So Hebrews chapter 4, verse 8. And it says, For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterwards have spoken of another day? Now he's referring to the Sabbath. And he's talking about, you know, people experiencing the Sabbath. And uh, the Sabbath um, being a... Um, a rest to the physical body. We also know from many, many scriptures that many of the things that God gave the people of the Old Testament to do were um, symbolic and were metaphors of, of, the, of the things of heaven and that there was a deeper revelation, but those experiences were shadows and types. And here Paul is seeing the meaning of that. He says, look, if that was it, if that was the whole revelation, if that was the whole collage, then it would not have been necessary, and for, and for sure, it would not have been, been said that there is another day. And the only way that there could be another day is because that revelation of the day of rest was not a complete fulfillment of the total spiritual meaning of the fullness of the 30, 30 60, 100-fold revelation. So as we begin to see these things, it just becomes absolutely uh, interesting. Verse 5, And all this, in all this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, showing that they hadn't entered into the rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must therefore um, uh, enter in, uh, they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again he limiteth it, a certain day, saying to David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear the voice, hearken not, uh, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterwards have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. How do you get rest from the burden of sin? How do you get rest from guilty memories? How do you get rest from the perplexities and the complications that just drive upon people's minds every day? How do you get rest from, from all the forces of darkness and evil that seem to perpetrate every facet of life? How do you get rest from that? Well, there's a provision that was made and people today have not entered into the rest. They have not been sealed unto the time of redemption. And unless you're sealed into that time of redemption, which is evidence that you you are rendering every day all of those complications unto God, then you are constantly going to be uh, fraught with with all these downcast day in, day out experiences 
that do nothing but want to tear down your faith, your hope, and your expectations. So I want to uh, encourage you in the close of this question about praying without ceasing, that it is by the Holy Spirit, and only by the Holy Spirit, as in the Holy Ghost, that can take over and run the the hard drive within you and 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 keep by the holy spirit uh your spirit exercising that you physically mentally in your mortal brain are not even able to comprehend the exercise that is going on in benefit in which your inner person is growing day by day by that exercise and so i hope that that answer uh, for the person that asked it is conclusive. And let us go on now to our teaching, the coming of the most incredible day. Now to introduce this, uh, which is going to be in the book of Zechariah, you might as well just turn to the very first first, uh, chapter of, of Zechariah because uh, we're going to do a scripture scan uh, through Zechariah and cover a lot of uh, very interesting things. Before we do, though, I want to share with some of you people. I've, I, I've, I've mentioned different times to, to you people about um, the, the Holy Spirit, and I've mentioned how that uh, in a time of my life, the Holy Spirit led me into an experience in which I received, um, through the angel Gabriel, uh, this a book called The Holy Manifest. Now, um, we are hoping one of these days to get this book out. It is a huge book. And I thought it would be interesting to some of you if I just read a few of the contents. Believe me, if I just sat here and read every single um, item that was featured uh, in this book, it would take me quite a while. But I'm just plucking out just a few here and there. Uh, like under the time to plant, it talks about the future 70,000 years after Abraham. It talks about similitudes. It talks about the uh, Ophanim angelic order. Uh, this is a really incredible revelation, how it gives the order of, of the different angels and all their different positions and, and all their, the different uh, color orders that they are in. Uh, it, it talks about uh, the holy man Damas of creation law. Uh, it This is incredible, this next thing. It uh, tells the story of Lucifer, the covering cherub, as he will stand before the court of the judgeship of the seraphimic orders, uh, including the seven uh, angels or seven spirits of God. And that how that Satan, uh, as a lawyer, and uh, and has uh, a uh, co-lawyer, our jealous, who will represent him. Uh, it is an incredible story. Um, it talks uh, another place about creation uh, resumes. Um, then it's got some manifest that uh, Genesis is part of it. Uh, it has the rainbow covenant uh, in Who Are the Mortals. It's part of Who Are the Mortals. I'm skipping through these. Uh, the Rainbow Covenant is just one of the most beautiful writs uh, you know, I have ever read. It is just so absolutely gorgeous. 
Um, it talks about the staircase. That's incredible. The stranger, the, the gulf of, of impetition, uh, Melchizedek. Uh, that's just one uh, super long page. <laughs> Uh, the story of the Joshua Stone, which I'm going to get involved in tonight. Um, Vital Essence, the Aura Soul, the musicians who dared to play at midnight, the crystal similitudes, white glory, the uh, the palladium, the quote uh, ohm figuration, um, on and on and on uh, from a flower's viewpoint. Um, lit of the fire wands, the path of tears, Crowns of Knowledge, Ophanim Citizenship, Melchizedek Priesthood, the Melchizedek Call, uh, Parable of the Field of Sacrifice, 13 Weeks, Ascending Orders, and of course, I'm just reading just a few, very few, uh, on these pages. Legends, Transaccumulation, Who's on the Mountain, The Wizards of, of Gog, Prophecy of the Tantalizing Rhyme, The Mystery of the Blessed Spot, Wormwood versus the Spirit, Predators, the Band of Light. One Nation Melchizedek, a thousand years from now, the foretelling of the Cosmocrater, the Seven Stakes of Burl, rendering, <laughs> which I'll be talking on a little bit tonight, but not in the extent of what uh, it gives it in the book. And then um, it ends it with uh, the towers, the 13 towers. I'm just reading a few. Uh, the towers of two interpretations, the tower revelation of the th of the th of the uh, Urim and Thummim, uh, the tower revelation of the four ceremonial law, and the analects and gleamings uh, of song buds of the Soundtron. Those, I tell you, are just absolutely incredible. This whole book is incredible, and I I revere to have your constant prayer for me that I'm going to be able to get this book out to the people, uh, the Holy Manifest book. As well, I want your prayer uh, for getting out the, the uh, Peace Manifest Bible. Uh, those are both two very large books that are just loaded with uh, incredible, beautiful uh, Holy Spirit things. So um, now in Zechariah, turn with me to the first chapter, and um, we will um, we will start there, uh, just going through sort of a scripture scan, and uh, this will lead us up to our our subject that we're teaching on tonight. Uh, which uh, I think you'll find extremely interesting and you'll be really moved on it. Uh, the coming of the most incredible day. Okay, so let's look then at um, Zechariah verse 3. Remember, we're just scripture scanning. Therefore, say thou unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of hosts, Turn ye unto me. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, in the book of the seven thunders, uh, Tanuel talks about the turnings. 
this is so very, very important. Um, maybe you would really get a realization if we just talked about turning your head, how that sometimes turning your head is a vital act. When you come to a crossroad, you need to turn your head to the right, turn your head to the left, sometimes lift up your head, look in the rearview mirror, sometimes look straight ahead, and maybe repeat those turnings just to make sure that you are conducting your crossing the road in safety. That's just like a parable example. But there's more to it than, uh, than that when we start talking about the turnings. Sometimes people are caught up in the ideologies of their beliefs. And um, what is really sad is they become very satisfied with what they believe. And when a person is satisfied, it's like a person who um, never gets hungry. And if you don't get hungry, sooner or later, you'll start lacking on vitamins and your health will break down. There are certain diseases that people get, especially it happens with women. And they get these diseases and, and, and they, they're just not hungry. They just hardly want to eat any food and they end up dying. So it is so important to understand that being full doesn't mean that you have everything that you should have. It's like if we talked about how that some people can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and just a thimble fells of the Holy Spirit fills them up because they don't have any more displacement than that. They are so full of other things, there's no more room than a thimble of the Holy Spirit, and when that Holy Spirit fills the thimble, they are filled. That that does not compare to the person who has made displacements, has moved out the old furniture, moved out the old ideas, moved out the question marks, and opened their whole vessel unto God to fill it and to show and lead them the way. So this turning away from habitualities, away from even traditional insteps, and always turning your head, like in the days of Gideon, when he was selecting the, the right men to do this miracle, which would be used to scare away the enemy. He watched for the people when they went down to drink, and the ones that didn't just put their face down the water and just, you know, lap up like an animal that, that you know, but, but that just, uh, they, would, they would take their hand and they would sip and as they sipped, they would look around to see if everything was, was okay, if there was uh, not some enemy getting ready to attack them. And those were the ones that were chosen because they turned their heads, they turned their eyes and they looked around and they searched. As we get into this deep word here tonight, this revelation about this great day, you may need to turn your, your eyes. Like those seraphim I read about earlier in the, the fourth chapter of Revelations, verse 8, that, that their wings were, were full of eyes.
you, you need to understand that the Bible says, lay aside the principles of the foundations of the doctrines of Jesus Christ. Let us go on to perfection. It's not that you're throwing anything away. It's just that you're putting some things uh, into rest uh, so that you can move on to the deeper things that will bring you into, into more perfection. So as you understand that, as you get into that, that, that deep um, uh, pondering of the Holy Spirit, then you are able to turn because you can see with not just one eye, but you can see with many eyes. In fact, in part of this revelation, I am going to uh, speak with you. Um, you know, I have my right eye, I have my left eye. But this one incredible, beautiful experience that I had uh, came through my third eye, which you cannot see this eye, but it comes out of the, of the forehead and, and it is attached to the forebrain. And it, it, uh, it, it has some very spiritual aspects to it. And it was with this third eye uh, that I came into this very deep consciousness and experience, which I'll be telling you about tonight. Uh, that was just an absolutely life-changing, beautiful turn uh, in, into a, a higher place on the staircase to a, to a deeper, more fulfilling spiritual endeavor. So here we go. Uh, let's think in terms of this turning, how important that it is. That, that that you are into the turnings and that you are looking at at, at things, uh, proving all things, being able to give an answer unto all persons who might inquire of the hope that lies within you. If someone says something and you don't understand it, best that you do not judge it. If you don't understand it, just let it lie, just leave it. But don't curse it. Best that you just leave it and, and, and respect every person's right, according to the Bible, that each person should work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. Sometimes, though, you would do very well to listen to some of these things. Believe me that when I am into anything that is scientific, or if I'm into a specific a doctrine that I know that that various churches and various religions uh, have a performance of of their um, interpretations on. Uh, I will take the time, even though in the past, in, um, in getting my doctorate in theology, I did a great deep digging into almost every kind of religion and what they believed. So when I'm talking to a lot of these different people in these different faiths, uh, I very often, most times, know their religion better than they do. I can generally tell all these different people, whether it would be, you know, the, the Hindi people, the Hindu people, whether it would be the Buddhist, uh, whether, whether it would be uh, the different denominations, uh, that are, is in Christendom, uh, I know their doctrines, and I know what they're teaching. But sometimes, you know, uh, even uh, those um, denominations and those different religions, they have an update and get a revelation. And so I always check uh, to see just where these people are, 
so that I can I can uh, keep an even keel on the presentation because the Bible says be able to give an answer to all men. Well, if you want to be able to give an answer to all men, you've got to know something about the other side. You just can't know about what yourself. You just can't you can't just go out there uh, with a fish hook that has your name on it uh, and and uh, and not have any lure on it. Uh, you know, the, the lure is uh, being able to have the knowledge uh, so that you uh, can appreciate some of these people, why they believe what they do believe. And not just think that they're idiots, because most of the time they are not idiots. So I just want to lay that in with you and see how important the turnings are. Okay, that was one. We're going to go through seven seven. Uh, uh, scripture scans. Uh, let's look at um, now at um, um, number 8, verse 8 of first chapter of uh, Zechariah. And I saw by night, and behold, a man riding upon a red horse, and he stood among the myrtle trees that were in the bottom and behind him. Now, later I'll get into a thing on the myrtle tree, but just to see how that is mentioned here in the Bible. And he stood among the myrtle trees that were in the bottom and behind him, and there were red horses speckled in white. Then said I, O my Lord, what are these? And the angel talked with me and said unto me, I will show thee what these be. And the man that stood among the myrtle trees answered and said, These are they whom the Lord hath sent to walk to and fro through the earth. We, we see here that these des designations are, are very important. We know there are seraphims. We know there are cherubims. We know there are ophanims. And these three orders that were sent here by God to this galaxy, the Milky Way, to create in. And it's quite a, a research to, um, to go into the universe and after having made a plan for plants and bodies and all of the, the all of the things that that have to do uh, with what the Earth is about. Um, it is very important then to find a place like a planet that has the right atmosphere and that is located fairly safe from you know uh, asteroids and various. Uh, uh, debris that can come down and, and destroy a, uh, the livability of a planet. And it's got to have, you know, if you made the body a certain way, uh, if it's debris, that oxygen, it's got to have oxygen. And, it, and, it, and it's got to have the right balance. And then there, there is the importance of the sunlight and not being too much sunlight, but being enough. So there's got to be atmospheres. And, and, and this is important. And it was a big job uh, for the creators. And they were sent out to go to and fro. 
And that, that was their call. That was their job. To and fro through the earth. This includes the atmospheres. Now, this is really a beautiful description because these were sent by God. And you have to remember, there's always the, the positive side, the spiritual side, and the negative side, the evil side. And these are opposite forces. So, if you have a red horse on the positive side, you'll have a red horse on the negative side, etc., etc. And um, these are these are parallels that exist, not not garbage you can throw away. Now, let's go on to the next uh, part here. Um, because it is um, it's very interesting. And let's read it. And they answered the angel of the Lord that stood among the myrtle tree. Now why is this thing on myrtle trees coming up? And he said, We have walked to and fro through the earth, and behold, all the earth sit still and is at rest. Obviously, their job... Uh, is a certain amount of protection. They don't want to interfere. They want to allow the will of man to be expressed. But by the same token, they will always be there uh, if there is a balance. Like in Abraham, God said, okay, if I find 10 people even that are good people, I will spare all these cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities. If I just find ten, even though you know that when they when they dug up the graves in that area, they've they have found over a million people so far. There was a lot of people. Okay, so we know there's a balance, a ratio. You don't have to have fifty fifty. You don't have to have five hundred thousand good people in order to save the million people. It just takes like a, a, a tithing of it, a tenth. Wow. A tithing number is so important because it's a one and it's a zero. And um, I, I apply the one number as a monad, uh, as a representative in this universe, the number one is the number that represents God. And then all these other uh, factual uh, numbers um, and uh, digital numbers, they um, can be really, really large, and they can actually mean the larger they are, the further away from God you are. But if you can ever get your religion and your faith and your turnings down to zero, then you take that zero that you have become and you go and stand by the one. And that's what gives you your value. And the more zeros that you have, the greater the value that the one gives you. Well, what about this myrtle, this tree? This has come up before here. It's involved in this whole thing. Well, 
Let's look at another scripture. Turn with me to Isaiah 55. 55, 5. Isaiah 55, 5. And this is um, a very interesting scripture. Um, here we go. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not. Thou shalt call a nation thou knowest not. Why are you? Why are they calling the nation? This is talking about the people who are involved with the the everlasting covenant uh, of the sure mercies of David. They're going to call a nation that they know not. Even though it follows that and says, and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. But there is still a distinction between those nations that did, that did not know Israel that suddenly come to Israel and this other nation that Israel did not know. And I would not have the time tonight to give you all the many, many scriptures. But I've told you the story about how that there was a, a catching away before the flood of the offspring of Enoch. And they were carried away. And they were carried to the father's house, which we call Artura. Not Arturus the star, Artura the planet. And I've preached this story, and it's in the blogs if you want more information on themanifestor.com. But this, this nation is talking about here is Artura, the father's house, the offspring of Enoch. Now, they are also one of, they're, they're the fourth. They're, they're number four. And their job is also to be involved in going to and fro. Now, why does it say going to and fro? Going to and fro where? You mean just back and forth? No, to and fro means something different. You're not just going back and forth or around and around. But it means that they go back to their, their home base. The cherubim to the Pleiades. The seraphim to Orion. And the Arturians to the Father's house. And the Ophanim are being put in suspension while they're in this fall as failed messengers. And the cherubim, as you see in the first and second first and tenth chapter of of Ezekiel, are are in proxy for the Ophanims. And Jesus, of course, is holding in suspension all the credits for creation 
which will be revitalized and then handed out to each one when the overcoming and, and restoration process takes place. The myrtle tree. Well, what is the myrtle tree? Well, let's read this scripture here. Let's skip down to um, verse 13. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name and for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Now notice here it didn't say, you know, it says, instead of the thorns shall come up the fir tree. And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. It doesn't say, and they shall be to the Lord for a name, which would include both the fir and, and, and the myrtle. But it says, and it, which, the, which refers directly to the myrtle tree, shall be to the Lord for a name and for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Now the, the myrtle tree is one of the most beautiful trees. It's an evergreen. And there are different uh, kinds of myrtle trees. And they, they bloom. Most, most uh, 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 trees like the cherry tree bloom maybe for a month. But this tree, the myrtle tree, blooms for about four months. And on Artura, they bloom for even longer than that. And they are just absolutely beautiful. And, the, and if you get into the wood of the myrtle tree, it, the structure in the veneer is so, well, not veneer, but in the wood itself is so unusual that when you look at the, the rings and, and the various uh, design of that wood, um, you can see pictures in it. Now, I'm not just making this up. I'm not telling you something. I'm telling you a fact about the the tree you can check this out and and you you can see all kinds of beautiful imaginative things pictures of everything from waterfalls to to other forestry things to you name it all kinds of things become evident it is a true manaphotis and the nuts that come from it are not really edible because they're pretty sour on earth here. But on Arturus, they are edible and they are sweet. So I so said, how do you know all that? Well, I, I'm I'm buddy-buddy with the Holy Spirit. You need to get buddy-buddy with the Holy Spirit too. And the Holy Spirit can show you all kinds of things. Remember these mysteries that it can reveal to you? The signs and the wonders and the Word of God is throughout the Word. It just has to be drawn out. Now you have to turn your head a little bit to see God coming from this beautiful direction and put these scriptures together in this, this nation that's one day Israel's going to call on. Because Jesus spoke of this nation. He said, other sheep I have that are not of this fold. Those other sheep were of the Melchizedek fold. Whereas the the rest of the sheep were of the Abrahamic. 
The Melchizedek then belongs to the father's bosom, and the Abrahamic side belongs to the Abrahamic bosom. Now, Jesus is connected to both sides. But we see how important that the 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 Melchizedek connection is to Jesus in the 14th chapter of John when he says I'm going away in my father's house are many mansions if it were not true I would have told you so oh I feel the spirit as I'm saying this right now it just seems like as though there are people out there listening right now that are turning their head and their their eyes are developing on their spiritual wings and they're seeing things they're feeling things that they just never understood it or just never realized before. How beautiful this vision is. How glorious this vision is. I go away to prepare a place for you. If it wasn't true, I would have told you. This is true, Jesus is pleading. This is real, Jesus is pleading. As you see me go. And he just appeared a little before that. Thomas says, I just can't believe that you're, that you're not a spirit, he says, unless I can feel the wounds in your head, in your the wound in your side, and and feel your hands where they put a nail nail through them. And Jesus said, "Sure, come over here, Thomas, and feel my hands." And there, in the hollow of each of his hands, there was the mark. And he felt into the side where the the sword, the, the spear pierced into his side. And Thomas said, Oh, my Lord and my God, thou art truly alive. Thou art truly in a physical body. Later, Jesus said, As you see me going, as I am now, as you see me leaving, I'll re be returning in the same physical way. The same manner I will return. Need to turn your head from some of this old, outdated, incorrect doctrine that some of you people have been in. They have missed the most beautiful parts of the scripture because they have do not have a seer in their church. They just have some prophets that only can only can exhort on what is and talk about things that they feel is the future. But God has raised up through this manifest revelation a seer ministry. Blessed be the name of God. Blessed be the name of God. Wow. Let's go on. Let's um, get back over to um, Zechariah now and let's finish our, our scripture scanning. We have a lot to cover, so I have to really keep moving here. Now let's look at um, let's look at the the next scriptures that uh, I want to cover in verse uh, in pardon me in uh, we're in chapter one, and let's look at um, verse seventeen. Cry yet, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, My cities 
through prosperity shall yet be spread abroad, and the Lord shall yet comfort Zion, and shall yet choose Jerusalem. I want you to know that there are several scriptures, and I know there are some ministries that really get into the prosperity thing. But it seems like so much of the church, instead of being exercised to reach out to help the widow and the poor and the starving and the suffering, are intent on putting money into the coffers of the church. That is not true with all the churches. There are some people really dedicated and ministries really dedicated, but there is a lot of that. And I'm not asking for not wanting one person as a result of what I'm preaching here tonight to feel obligated in any way to give me a dime. This message I have on my heart tonight is just, is just so embedded in me, so embedded. I want to share it. God has given me the leeway now to share this, the causeway to speak it, and that's what I'm doing. And then let's look at um, the next scripture, verse 19. And I said unto the angel that talked with me, What be these? And he answered me, These are the horns which have scattered Judah and Israel and Jerusalem. You want to know that it is a real thing, just as it says in the sixth chapter of Ephesians, that the real war is for the minds of men, the minds of humans, of mortals. And there are powers and principalities of darkness and of light. And we have to understand this is a real thing. And in this edition of God's Word, from chapter to chapter, from book to book, there is always somewhere an indication of the great divide between these two forces and the activity that is going on of these two forces. Do not ever become so comfortable and so well-seated in the conscientiousness of your ideologies that you are not turning your head, that you are not understanding that God has a plan and that God wants you to know it and he will reveal it to you by the Holy Spirit if you will just give him the opportunity. If you would just begin to render your desires under the Holy Spirit that's within the kingdom of God that is within you, he will give it to you. Now, I've had some people say to me, well, you don't have the Holy Spirit in your, in your kingdom of God until you receive it. 
It's got to come into you. Well, I, I'm sure you've been told that. And I'm sure you might read the scriptures and think that's what it says. But if I was to say to you, well, let me ask you a question. Do you think that the Holy Ghost will make it to heaven? What would you say? If I said, do you think the Holy Ghost is in heaven? What would you say? What if I said, do you think the Holy Ghost is in the kingdom of heaven? What would you say? If I said to you, do you think the Holy Ghost is in the kingdom of God? What would you say? I think you would have to say, well, yes, I do think it's in the kingdom of heaven and in the kingdom of God. And Jesus said to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the listeners, people from all around the, world, all around the local world there, the kingdom of God comes without observation. The kingdom of God is within you. First chapter of John, it says, every man that's born into the world is born with the light. And that light is talking about is this kingdom of God that's within every person born. It's our birthright as, as Ophanim in this body of clay, in this materialistic cellular chains of darkness. We still have within us a spirit, a spirit that goes upward, not like the beast of the spirit that goes downward. We still have within us a spirit that lived before this body was ever formed. And in that spirit, we have the kingdom of God within our body. It's all part of the revelation of the wheel within the wheel. As we begin to understand these things, someone says, yeah, but the Bible says that, the, that this Holy Spirit wasn't given before. <clears throat> you just need to read the Bible and understand it. You'll find all kinds of people in the Old Testament that had the Holy Spirit. You'll find that John the Baptist was born with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was born with the Holy Spirit before the day of Pentecost. The thing that is different is that the Holy Spirit has to come into your physical mind, into your physical person, but it's already in your spirit. And so to receive the Holy Spirit, it has to have a transcendental leap from your spirit level into your physical level. And that's why there are many times physical manifestations. Anyway, that's not the teaching tonight. While I think about that, I'm, I'm thinking about a person that over the phone I was doing Gentile on and I was doing uh, some... Um, um, talking to this lady over the phone and um, very uh, sweet and precious uh, uh, family and I asked her, I said, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And she says, no, I haven't. I says, have you tried? Well, yeah, she'd been to different churches and she had 
tried to receive it, but just hadn't been able to receive it. I said, well, how would you like to receive it right now? She over the telephone? Uh, yeah, just uh, receive it right now. And, and, and uh, I walked out on the front porch. It's a nice sunny day out. Sat down in the chair there, looking out across the lawn and the trees. And she says, well, yes, I would. I said, okay, you do everything that I'm telling you. And you're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You'll be speaking in other tongues here. And I'll tell you what, I prayed and anointed her and breathed through that telephone on her to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And she began to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues. Now, she just recently wrote me a letter and said her daughter is asking about if it's okay to go out to Halloween. Well, I don't want to tell you something different than I told my own kids. I, I'm in a person a person who deeply believes in the power of inversion. And I know the history of Halloween, and I know all the connections, you know, to the dark side the, and the, the witches and all the hideous facial uh, explorers that they do with that. But I know that there is another side where there's people that do just love children and do just love to be able to give them a gift and have them come in their little trick-or-treat costumes. So I told my kids, I said, look, you just have to inv invert this. You know, don't, don't get cheated just because some group starts telling you that the, that the rainbow belongs to a certain movement. It's a revelation. Then people say, oh, you can't be talking about the, the rainbow. Why, the so-and-so religion's into that. And they're just a cult. And some will say, oh, you got to be careful about the moon. That's one of the big things that's used by the cults. you got to watch what you say about the sun, too. And I just tell those people, hey, you need to just go away. Because I tell you right now, nobody's going to take away my moon, my rainbow, or my sun. I'm not letting you take it away. Because I'm not thinking of it or using it the way you are. I'm using it in a different way as God's gift to humanity. And as part of all this whole plan for having a place where we can have physical bodies to overcome. Now, with this thing with Halloween, I used to tell my kids, say, now we're changing this day. We're not calling it Halloween. We're calling it Holy Day because we're going to just invert this to something totally opposite. When you go up to the house, say, hi, blessings. You think there'll be people say, oh, you're not, you're not challenging me that you're going to do a trick on me. They'll just think you're so cute. Everybody loves that word blessings, and they'll just turn right around and bless you with all kinds of candy, and you probably get a little bit more than others do. And my kids would go out there and wear sort of a, they'd wear decent, you know, sort of costumes that might betray an angel or might betray one of the saints. And that people didn't know any difference. They didn't know any difference because my children had inverted it, though they knew the difference. So my kids didn't get left out. Now, 
My dear friend, that may not be the kind of answer that you're looking for, but why should I give you a different answer than I've given to my own children? And it's worked. It worked for them. They didn't lose out. Didn't have to lose out. They changed the name, changed the costume, changed the approach, and it worked. They still end up getting their candy and gifts. Someone says, oh, you know, that's a bad day. Oh, so what are you going to do? Shut down your life on that day? Quit living on that day? There's lots of bad days. The Bible says that David prepared a feast right in the midst of his enemies. Prepared a feast. And he said, though a thousand arrows fly on this side, ten thousand on that side, it won't come nigh me. Well, in this scripture area here that we're in, uh, it, it talks about things like that. It's, it's, it's quite beautiful. And um, it, it um, you know, um, in, the, in the second chapter, in the fourth verse, it says, it says this, and, and he said unto them, Run, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls, for a multitude of men and cattle therein. There comes a time when God wants you to be able to live without walls. God wants you to be able to live without walls of separation. You're in this world. you got to live in this world. God doesn't want you to take off and go out in the middle of the desert or in the middle of some wilderness and just try to live to yourself. No man is an island, the, the, the saying goes, and this, there's truth in that. You've got to plant yourself where you are. You've got a family. You've got, you got reasons. You can't just seek to save your own life by going off someplace, thinking that you so isolate yourself that you'll be free from, from any kinds of lust and sin. And Jesus said, oh, and I'm paraphrasing him. I'll be careful about that. Jesus says, you can commit adultery in your heart. You can be out in the middle of a Mojave desert. Mojave desert, you can be out in the middle of a wilderness alone. And just in your thoughts, you can commit adultery in your heart. heart. Don't think you're going to get away. The Bible says he that seeks to save his life will lose it. Anyway, that's that's my answer. At the same time, I did end up giving this number six. And um, there was one more now. Number seven. In, cha in chapter two, verse, uh, um, um, verse 11. And many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day, and shall be my people, and I will dwell in the midst of thee. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you in that day. That's talking futuristic. In that day they will know that the Lord of hosts, one of the things that people have not understood is this revelation of the Lord of hosts. They've not understood that. And that's because they have not understood that which was. They've not had the seership vision of it. They've not understood the thing in Thessalonians where it says, where Jesus said that 
he himself, where it says Jesus himself would come with, with the voice and the shout of an archangel, Lord of hosts. That's very, very important in this whole thing you call the rapture. That's very, very important in this whole revelation. And people have not gotten into it, although this Lord of hosts is mentioned so many times in the Bible. Some people say it's not in the New Testament. Yes, it is. It has its own wording. And someday when I preach on this, I'll show you. Blessed be the name of God. Okay, that was our that was our move there. And uh, I'm going to have to get a roll in here in order to get into this and have time to do it. Chapter 3. And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan was standing at his right hand to resist him. You think you're standing next to an angel of God? And being in the presence of an angel of God, that makes you free from Satan being right there standing on on your right side? <laughs> on your right side. Uh, Satan is bold. And Satan knows where to take the best positions. The forces of darkness are out there. And this name Joshua, you know, was, was Joshua elect, you may say. And it's another name for meaning Jesus. Yeshua, Joshua. And Satan was standing at the right hand to resist him. Resist everything the angel was telling him. Resist everything that the manifester was telling them. I'm not being, you know, put in that place of that angel. But we all have within us our spirit. And being ophanims, prior ophanims, that is the angel of our presence. So we have an angel within us. And there are angels that minister to us. The Bible says in Matthew that we all have guardian angels. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Is not Joshua a, a brand that we've plucked out of the fire? I'll tell you what. When people get converted and accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, when people start getting into the Holy Ghost and fire, when people start getting into the revelations and the knowledge of God, Satan gets stirred up. And he wants to come and be right there where these other angels are. And he wants to stand at the right hand, the main major place, and he wants to resist. He wants to speak to your your mind. Someone recently said, oh, I don't know about that manifester guy. He teaches about flying saucers. Well, if you would just take the time to turn your head a little bit and read the blogs and what I really am teaching, I'm not teaching the regular kind of flying saucer stuff that's out there in the reptilian uh, preaching world. There's a totally different story, 
and it's Bible, and it's, it's full of dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of scriptures to back it. So be careful. Bible says you should give credit, you know, where credit is due. And how does it say that? It says honor a prophet in the name of a prophet. And that's a word that God has asked you to do. So the last thing a person should ever do is judge anything, especially make a statement. If you want to prove all things, you'd get in there and you'd read. You would read those teachings. And you know what will happen if you start reading them? You'll start feeling the anointing of God. There are people that have been changed. They, they have been transcendentalized. They have been transfigured and transformed while reading and listening to these things that is being taught in this manifest outpouring. Blessed be the name of God. Is this not a brand, a, a brand uh, plucked out of the fire? Of course it is. He said, oh, what do you think of this, Satan? Is this a brand? <laughs> then it goes on and says, Now Joshua was, was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. Now understand, he was plucked out of the fire. He still had filthy garments. Some of you people try to be so religious, you try to be so perfect, before you think that God can use you. You know you've got corruption in you. You know your mind grinds on lust and, and, and has problems. You know you're a human beast. And so you made your own religion and your own condemnation by saying, well, because I'm like this, I, I know I, I really can't be used by God. And I'm sure Satan standing there that day on the right side, on the other side of Joshua, opposite of the angel, was saying those kind of things to, to, to Joshua. Look at yourself. Look at that filthy clothes that you're dressed in. That clothing was representing his state that he came out of. The inertia of all those evil things. Look at yourself. Need I remind you of some of the awful thoughts that you've had and the things you have done? And it doesn't say that Joshua said anything, but it certainly does say that God did. God says, I rebuke you, Satan. I rebuke you. That's what people have to do when you start thinking that you're not good enough to be used by God or you're not smart enough to be used by God you have to rebuke Satan and rebuke your, your, your thoughts like that because that is denying the miracle all things, are, all things are possible and a camel going through a needle's eye and the fact that even the rich can be saved that Jesus spoke of. It doesn't matter how poor you are. Remember the beggar ended up in the bosom of Abraham and the rich man ended up in hell. And the rich man said, hey, could I just talk to, to, the, to Lazarus for just a little bit? 
and see if I can get him to come down here and talk to me and help me a little bit? You know, the answer was no. Some people use that as an excuse to say that you can't communicate with the dead. You're a spiritualist if you communicate to the dead. Oh, is that what Jesus was when he went down into lower paradise and he preached to the dead that were sometimes disobedient? Is that what Jesus was? Get off your high horse. Is that what the Bible was saying when the people at the crucifixion of Christ, the earthquake took place, the temple was rent, and graves opened and people went out and ministered to that were dead? I know there's other revelation parts of that too, but be careful. Be careful what you allow yourself to believe. Be careful the limits you begin to place on what God can do. The line between the dead and, and the living is just the body. The body is the flesh veil. We're almost in the same place by the Spirit. Okay, got to keep moving. Wow. Wow. Verse 4. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. Oh, what does the Bible say? Is this how it reads? Is this how you think it reads? And the Lord said, Oh, what are you going to do about these filthy garments, Joshua? What are you going to do about it? It's awful. This is a stench unto God. This is impurity. Is that what the Bible says? No, it isn't. It doesn't really say that Joshua did much of anything except that he obviously made a move to come to God for help. And once he came to God for help and was chosen, then it says that the Lord... spoke and said unto those that stood before him, take away the filthy garments from him. The Lord said, take them away from him. Take them away. Jerk them off of him. Get them out of him. You've got sin. You've got lust. You've got problems. Hey, there's coming a wonderful day. I said there's coming a wonderful day, ladies and gentlemen. And I'll prove it to you before I'm through. It's the coming of the most incredible day, as I call it in this teaching. When God will reach out and God will pull off through his servants, pull off that filthy clothes that you have, that cleanse that filthy mind. Deliver you from the animal genetics. Set you free. Do you want to be set free? Don't think it's going to happen in just a minute or overnight. But it can happen. And it will happen. Because it's the Word of God. And it's the guarantee of God that everybody will get a time and a chance. Wow. 
Now listen to what it says. Take away the filthy clothes from him, and unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee. I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee. How would you like to have the, the most wonderful day happen to you? So that God causes the iniquity to pass from you. He takes you out of those filthy garments of those other lives and other thoughts and other experiences that you've lived. And he casts those away and he causes your iniquity to pass from you. Wow. And he says, I will clothe thee with change of raiment. You need a change. You need a change. You need new raiments. You need new way of thinking. You need new insights. You need to start growing those eyes on your elect wings. Joshua elect was going to have an experience that would change him from just the election to the actual thing. Verse 6. And the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If thou wilt walk in my ways, if thou wilt keep my charge, then thou shalt also judge my house. Now when God takes away that beast nature, and when God cleanses you, and that iniquity of the past passes away from you, and he changes, takes away that old raiment, you're still going to have an obligation to live in the calling, to put your hands on the plow and not look back. And you will be able to do it in Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean you'll be perfect. It doesn't mean that you will not make mistakes, that you will not even sin. It doesn't mean you won't. Someone says, yeah, but the Bible says if you're born of God, you cannot sin. Yeah, well, you better sure understand what, be, what it means to say born of God. Now, what people basically are going around saying, I've been born again, I've been born again. That is only by grace and by hope. They haven't actually been born again in the total sense of being born from above, which is what the Greek says. They've not entered into the restoration, but they are an election, an elect angel, an elect born again. It's like falling over a great ship at sea and someone sees it, throws you a lifeline. Now you are saved by the grace of that lifeline, but you're not saved yet. There's sharks out there in the water. There's turbulence out there in the water. Until they pull you up on board the ship, you're not saved. Wow. If you, keep my, if you keep my charge, then thou shalt judge my house, keep my courts, and I will give thee places to walk among those that stand by. Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at. For behold, I will bring forth, and here's the revelation, here's the revelation to Joshua that's going to change his life. 
Behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua, before this Joshua name, for the meaning of Joshua, upon one stone shall be seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave the graving. I'll put a seal of the Holy Ghost upon it. Wow. Therefore, or thereof, saith the Lord of hosts, I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. And that is the reference that I am using for my title, The Coming of the Most Incredible Day. I will remove the iniquity of the land in one day. There's individual salvation, but there is collective salvation where whole nations turn to God, where the whole land becomes baptized in the spirit of God's moving. In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, shall you call every man his neighbor under the vine and under the fig tree. Wow. I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. Wow. Now, if you people have the Seven Thunders Speak Manifest Chronicles before Genesis book, then you know that in the very beginning, in the preludes, I talk in there about the Joshua revelation. And, oh, there is some incredible things in this book. Um, I am not saying this just to get you to buy it. But, you know, I am, I am saying it because you should buy it. You should not be without this book. It has revelations about the Yerman Thummim. It has revelations about the Ark of the Covenant. It has revelations about the Artura thing, about the seven spirits of God. And the incredible thing that it mentions in here, on, in, uh, page, on page 26, second paragraph, Going back to my experience of the Joshua Stone, I remember once in my deep consciousness of that stone, I prayed that if it was, if it was God's will, the visions of the seven eyes would be made manifest to this generation of humankind. Then a voice said, touch the stone. But because I was in great apprehension, I could not. Again the voice said, touch the stone. But I replied, I am not purified. So the voice said to me, The stone has power to purify whosoever or whatsoever it touches. Then I touched the stone, and its rays lit my face. Instantly seven wise and noble eyes appeared upon the stone. And although there was no mouth upon the stone, the eyes could talk. So it was the eyes of the stone spoke and said, We are the seven spirits that stand before the Almighty God. We are the seven seals which no mortal on earth or in heaven can offer or, or can open except by the Christ Spirit. Then one of the seven lambs presented me a pure and spotless uh, a lamb offering. And the eye said to me, Rise up and eat this lamb, for it, for it is the innocence of the Christ Spirit. 
Whosoever eats of this lamb shall come into the holy attractions and shall know the luster of lights. So it was a kind of virtual reality. I ate of this lamb, and his flesh tasted as delicious bread just baked, and his juices as marinated broth of grape. After I had eaten of the virtual lamb, an actual great beam of light shone forth out of the Joshua stone eye and pierced my body instantly, and I felt purified and free. Then one of the seven eyes, called the third eye, caught me away into the realm of love. Immediately I was jolted with a series of penetrating waves, <clears throat> and my spirit began spreading apart until the spirit became billions of dazzling dots of dancing crystals. I could feel my consciousness in each one of these crystal dots, and I knew that each one of them was I. So that is so interesting. Now, it does not have the whole story of the of the story that is in the um, uh, the Holy Manifest. But I've, I have cut out the section here, and I hope that I have the time to read it. I'll have to read fairly fast. This is part of the, uh, in Back to Paradise, of this revelation of the story of the Joshua Sohn. Um, I, I, I know a man whose eyes have seen many visions. Indeed, so many visions occur within the residence of his mind, he is called the Crystal Eye Messenger. As a certain, at a certain time, this man told me the story of the seen stone. There exists an ancient stone, once possessed by an ancient people. This stone is called the Joshua Stone. It is the name of seven eyes. It is said that whosoever finds this stone can come to know all mysteries. It is the stone of the high priest ministry. It is the Urim and Thummim made one, where the yeses meet the noes and combust into perfect light. In a vision in the night when I was in deep slumber, there opened in my mind a memory, and I was shown the location of this valuable stone. I have since made many trips by phototranslation to the secret hiding place of this stone. This stone is invisible except by crystal vision. It came to pass that upon one occasion, while visiting this stone, I prayed that if it were God's will, the vision of the seven eyes would be made manifest to this generation of humankind. Then a voice said, Touch the stone. But I greatly feared I could not. Again the stone said, said Touch the st Again the voice said, Touch the stone. But I replied, I am unclean. So the voice said to me, The stone has power to cleanse whatsoever and whosoever it touches, or that touches it. Then I touched the stone. Instantly seven wise and noble eyes appeared upon the stone. And although there was no mouth upon the stone, the eyes could talk. So it was the eyes of the stone spoke and said, We are the seven spirits of, that stand before the Almighty God. We are the seven seals, which no mortal on earth in heaven uh, can open except by Christ. Then one of the seven stones presented me a pure and spotless lamb. Now, you see I'm repeating some of the things about uh, of this that's in the seven thunders. But there's a lot, an awful lot on this revelation, not in the book of seven thunders. So I'm going to skip forward. The first eye, the realm of praise. Immediately I was caught up into the holy attraction, and I journeyed into the realm of the first eye. I became aware of a burning thirst as though I was a flame in my throat. Immediately a voice said, Praise a drink unto God, and thirst no more. 
Thus I began to praise the Almighty, and as I did, it was a, as a cool and satisfying mint to my mouth. So it was I deeply enjoyed to praise the Almighty. Consequently, I learned it is the nature of heaven to praise God. For in that realm it is an excitable and enjoyable thing. Therefore, everywhere in this realm of praise, spirits past uh, Almighty God I am, that that uh, thought upon uh, ways to glorify God and M's Almighty Person. I also observed a special meeting place of these angels, and while I wondered, uh, the eye said to me, this is one of the many heavenly workshops of marvelous praise. I came to understand that these workshops of marvelous praise were involved in praise deliverance. Then I said, what is praise deliverance? And the eye answered me, answering me said, when a person's spirituality is in jeopardy, or there are critical conditions prevalent, these angels uh, praise in instead of pray, for praise uh, to God is more powerful than prayer to God. <clears throat> so it was. I saw waves of praise going forth, as one might see the waves of an ocean surface pounding upon the shore. I also saw the circuit angels, which are the Sela and, and uh, Hagion angels. And these are the praise angels. And, and the thus saith the Lord, Sela circuits, and the receiver angels of the meditation, uh, Hagiana circuits. The Hagiana circuits. Then the angel began to sing in rounds, and each group holding the syllables of the last name, Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Saboath, Saboath, Saboath. Then the eye showed me seven praises, the praise of God for God's honor, the praise of God for God's glory, the praise of God for God's love, the praise of God for God's holiness, praise of God for God's creations, the praise of God for God's judgments, the praise of God for God's mercy. Additionally, I saw ten ways of praise, praise of the humble knee, praise of the joyful tear, praise of adoration by the solemn silence, Praise of the heart for thanksgiving by thought and expression through voice and deed. Praise of laughter in poem and song. Praise of the hands to clap and wave, and of the feet to dance, and of the motions of the body. Praise of instruments and elements. Praise of deliverance by praise of faith. Praise of victory by the shout. Praise of obedience and righteousness. The second eye, the realm of beauty. So it was I left the realm of the worshipping spirits, which is the first, which is the realm of the first eye. For I was caught away by the second eye into the realm of beauty. Thus it was I saw an innumerable host of angels dancing gracefully before the Almighty God in the beauty of holiness. And I saw the beauty of order and of movements, and I felt my visage change. I was astonished at such beauty. I saw each angel with a colored cloth, such as linen, and, and some as linen and some as silk in appearance raising and lowering their claws of different colors as they danced. Then I said to the second eye, What are these cloth-looking objects? And the eye said to me, These are the dancing plumes, and were created as glory cloths, and as the rainbow rays to honor the, the glory of God's white beauty. Again the, angel began, the angels began to dance, holding and moving their dancing plumes in grand design, I noticed that each plume seemed to be fastened to a small, short rod of cane or twig. Then the eye said to me, 
These rods are beams of polarized energy projected from each entity, and the plumes are spectrums of diffusion from the tips of their beams. I came to understand that this was the realm of colors, for the eye said to me in this realm, even the least of angels speak ten million colors. So it was I saw with my own eyes colors that cannot be seen on earth. Then I said to the eye, the splendor of these things is magnificent. What can I offer from this realm to the earthlings for overcoming? Thus the eye replied, color is high vision. Whosoever there be that lives only in the gray, un shall dole away to death. Beauty is form and poise. Whosoever there be that has no form or poise, un is ugly indeed. Whosoever there be that is blank of mindful duty is also void of understanding. Therefore, this is what you shall say. As the red of white righteousness is pure, the black of anger is evil. The joyful colors of your heart make alive, but the sorrowful colors of a heart brings death. And to all who will wear the many-colored coat of Joseph, unto them is granted the power to become leaders. Whosoever will be humble, whosoever will be brightened, whosoever will be patient, whosoever will stream with evervescence, whosoever will conduct oneself uh, uh, righteously, whosoever will gleam like a rainbow from sea to sea, whosoever will ever whosoever will forgive others time after time such ones are given a covenant to be clothed with the sun whosoever shall shed tears of mercy and compassion for others unto such a one will be given the beauty of holiness after these words i saw seven folds of beauty the beauty of the ancient and their eldership the beauty of kinship through oneness the beauty of righteousness and its golden rule the beauty of the eye to see beauty the beauty of love, to love and be loved, the beauty of white and its colors, the beauty of creation and its serenity. So it was, fold after fold, my vision was played as an accordion, folding and unfolding, mystery upon mystery, melody after melody, joy after joy, excitement upon excitement. The third L, the third eye, the realm of love. As I was just about to speak to the eye of, of, of wise and beauty, I was caught away to the third eye into the realm of love. Immediately I was jolted by a sense of penetrating waves, and my spirit began spreading apart until my spirit became billions of dazzling dots of dancing crystals. I could feel my consciousness in each of these crystal dots, and I knew each one of them was I. Then I saw an angel sitting before a gigantic bubble of transparent material, playing rhythms upon the bubble. And as Un played, the crystal dots of my spirit responded in motions of pulsating rhythms. As the rhythms accelerated, the dots came together with such union that not one cleavage point could be discerned. Each time the dots surged together, I felt strength and love. Each time the dots spread apart, I felt multiple consciousness. Then the rhythms stopped, and I fell into the form of my spirit again. Suddenly a myriad of angels appeared and began uh, touching their hands and palm, palm to palm uh, from one another. Then, said, then one of them glided toward me and kissed me upon the forehead and neck. Immediately I began to glow with pulsating glimmers. I felt love so powerful that I wanted to become part of it. And, it, and, the, and I wanted to become part of it. And, and, um, and, I, and I wanted to cease my own existence. 
I said to the eye, What kind of kiss is this? And unsaid to me, It is the kiss of the love to life breath. I knew that every angel loved every angel, and with that lovely love they loved the lovely I am. Again the angel began to play the transparent bubble, and instantly each angel became millions of, of crystal dots. Among each other's dots, I looked at myself and wondered why this time I had not become dots. At that moment, the eye said to me, Go within the ring of fire. Immediately my eyes were open, and I saw a hand of golden fire encircling the angel's dots. I ran through the golden band of light and into the inner circle, instantly becoming dancing dots, mingling and co-mingling among the myriad times myriad of myriads. As we pulsated, we shared our good thoughts and wisdoms, and the substance of our knowledge became one. After this experience, I sat down and wept. Then the eye said to me, Why do you weep, my son? I weep because I cannot stay here, and this makes me very sad. My son, whosoever that has tasted of this love, will return to drink of it again. But for now, you must tell your, your kindred companions of this place, it is union with God, it is joy, it is peace, and most of all, it is love. Then I said, What shall I tell them? Tell them these words. There is no force, no power greater than love. There is no strength as strong as love. The love of God is greater than sin, greater than sorrow, despair, and suffering. The love of God is the fountain of eternal youth, the highway of eternal destinies. Love is the transformer, the redeeming factor. The, patient that wait, the patience that waits, the mercy that pleads, the compassion that makes conquest. Love settles conflicts by giving birth to peace. Love is the best musician, for love is the master of harmony. Wheresoever dwells the abode of love, there will be the angels of happiness gathered together. Okay, there's a lot left. And so I can't finish it here. Uh in this setting and so we will have to come back um, I want to just while Jan is playing read a little part here to sort of bring this to an ending out of Zechariah uh, that I was reading out of such a, a beautiful portion I want to read this again this little portion you know chapter 3 verse 8 at the bottom I will bring forth my servant the branch this branch are the seven spirits of God. Incorporated in that, of course, is also the spirit of Jesus Christ. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua. Upon one stone shall, seven, shall there be seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave the graving thereof, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of, the, of that land in one day. In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, shall you call every man his neighbor under the vine and under the fig tree. The coming of the most wonderful, the most incredible day. It is coming. This revelation of the seven spirits of God of the seven universes as taught by the Holy Manifest as taught in the seven thunders speak manifest chronicles before Genesis book is so sensational 
It's so spiritual. It's so Holy Ghost filled with revelation. It is the time to get into the turnings. It is the time to get into the multiple vision of God, setting aside the foundations of the principles of the doctrines of Christ, going on to perfection. We will finish, God willing, this teaching next week. In the meanwhile, I want to pray. I want to pray for the suffering in Somalia and the thousands that are, are starving. Oh God, we thank you that you have heard our prayers. We thank you, God, that you have loved and have cared and have reached out, but there needs to be yet more done. I pray, O oh God, for these people, for your mercy upon them, and for nations to rise up and people to rise up and do everything they can to save these people from death. I pray, O oh God, for world salvation. I pray, O oh God, for world peace. I pray for the listeners to this broadcast, both tonight and in the, the times that the recordings are played again, that your Holy Spirit will fall upon them, that they will render unto you all of their problems, and the Holy Spirit will begin to take over and pray without ceasing for them and for their relatives and their loved ones. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary, hypothalamus to thyroid, to lymphatic gland, the parasympathetic, sympathetic neurotransmission system to the left hemisphere of the brain, to the stress center area. Begin to create anti-stress hormones that will cancel out these stress insects that are coming into the brain and eradicate them. God bless you people. God deliver you from stress, deliver you from fear, and give you the peace and the joy of this holy manifest revelation. We love you. Good night. <laughs>